Thank you so much for joining me here at Christ-Centered Identity. I want to talk on a subject of wandering hearts. What does it mean to have a wandering heart, and what does it mean to have a heart that's completely connected in devotion to Jesus Christ? So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining me here at Christ-Centered Identity. Well, it's been a minute since I've recorded anything here at Christ-Centered Identity. It's been about a month and a half or two months or so. Um, but, I, you know, the Lord has kind of t- taken me on a journey of just really uh, delving deep into my heart and delving deep into my, my relationship with Him and trying to find out what is happening. I mean, you know, many of us could say, act like we got a, a good handle on life, a good handle on things, but sometimes... Um, Maybe we don't, and maybe we think we do, but we really don't. And I, and I believe that God wants to continuously change and transform us, that we're constantly should be shedding off the old life that we were living and the old things that we were doing into the, and walking into the new things that God has for us uh, moving forward and, and in transformation. Like, that's my biggest thing right now. I was like, I don't want to be who I was a year and a half ago. I want to be who I am today, and I want to I want to start walking towards the things that God wants me to walk towards in the future and not just be stagnant in an old way of doing things. But the Lord has been talking to me about like intimacy and closeness with him and, and just being one with Christ and not letting the busyness of ministry become the point of life, not letting the busyness of trying to do what we call ministry be the point of life, but allowing God to really be my life. And in that, that ministry just exudes from my yes to Jesus on a daily basis. My yes to when he tells me to stop that person in the store or speak to that person at work or my yes when when I'm with my family and I'm, I'm with my son or my, my wife or my daughter or my son-in-law or whoever's, whoever I'm with at the moment and the Holy Spirit drops something in my heart to share with them. And that to me, that's ministry. To me, ministry is sometimes it's the mundane things. It doesn't, doesn't seem like we're doing very much, but it's the things that we're, we're, we're there for a person in, in, a, in a way that some people can't be or are or, or not. And so ministry to me is not just something we do, a vocation. Or it's, it's, it's who we are because Christ lives in us. Because Christ lives in us, Christ wants to shine through us. And because he's shining through us, people are getting blessed and ministered to. So that's that's my heart in ministry. Um, but the, one of the, the, the word the Lord showed me was called wandering hearts. And, and you know, sometimes in our heart, like, I've, I've said this a few times uh, on different podcasts and different sermons I've taught, but, but sometimes you could be present in a room with somebody, like physically, but your heart is not present or your mind is not present or your emotions are not present in that situation. And I believe God is is trying to get us as believers to be present with him in every moment where our hearts are present, our minds present, our spirit is present, that we're, that we're literally like one foot in heaven and one foot on earth, that we have our ear to heaven's door, our ear to heaven's throne room and our ear to the needs of the people around us bringing hope and restoration to those around us. And so wandering hearts, like what does it mean to have your heart where it's it's wandering? And so in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, This ignited my anger with that generation, and I said about them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet, and they refuse to learn from my ways. So they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet. See, this, this, this scripture was referring to Moses and the children of Israel. 
that were in Egypt, or that were the children of, of, in Israel that were in Egypt, and they got freed from Egypt, and they were wandering in the desert, but their hearts were also wandering away from God, wandering away from, from who he is and what he says about them. And, and so, you know, we can walk this life with Christ out in a way that, that, that we can either be superficial with it or we can be overwhelmed with it meaning and consumed with it, which I believe the latter is what we're supposed to walk in and being overwhelmed and consumed with the man Jesus and allowing his life to, to not just be something that we talk about or a, a prayer that we pray to accept a savior in our life, but really look at like what he says and what he did and what scripture says about Christ and really lay our lives down into those things and not allow those things, not allow life to tell us who we are, but allow who Jesus is and the Word of God, the one that created us, the one that, the image that we're that we're imprinted into, that we we are made in the image of God. We're not just uh, dark matter, or we're not just matter that floats in the earth and has no purpose. But we have a purpose and a destiny, and that purpose and destiny is to be continuously formed into the image of Christ Jesus, our 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 God. And, you know, I love this about the Word. When it, it says in John uh, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says, The Word became flesh. So Jesus, God spoke the Word, and the Word became something. The Word was created by God speaking something. So when you read the Word of God, He actually is creating His image on the inside of you because now you're, you're, you're reading the spoken Word of God that creates and, and when, you, when you read that word, it creates something inside of you to, to change your view of yourself, to change your view of your spirit, to change the view of who you are. And your heart begins to just unify with this thing called, this, this being called God. And you start to unify with this man named Jesus that was God in human form and, and fully man, but fully God was, was, was walking the earth like a man, had emotions like a man, had thoughts like a man, had feelings like a man. all the things that we go through, trials and tribulations, the, the stressors of life. He had all those things and he, he developed this relationship while he was on this earth with his father to allow us to see what it looks like to walk in union with the father. So Jesus wasn't just a forgiveness of our sins, but Jesus was us learning how to walk with God and he was the payment for us to have union back with God. And so uh, our the wandering hearts is, is the people that, that wander in their hearts away from the thing that God's created inside the, them to, to walk out. So, uh, you know, is your freedom in Christ, on this question I want to ask you, is your freedom in Christ settled in your soul? So is the freedom that Christ provided for you, is that settled in your soul or do you still have other things that you feel like you need to do that will cause more freedom for you? And so, so what are the other things that we, we use to, to cause more, like, or, or maybe not from the words not freedom, maybe the words happiness, maybe the words peace, maybe the, whatever that word is, the adjective is, what is the word that's outside of, of you that, that, that is it settled in you? Like, do you still feel a longing for something else? Like, is the freedom that Christ paid for, for you, does, does it, do you fully grasp that freedom? Do you fully grasp that, that thing that, that God paid for you? And then it says, then I wrote another question. It says, how do you view Christ's finished work? How do you view his work? Is it functioning in your life? Is it functioning? Uh, I, I, I want to say that differently. Is it, is it functioning in, your li in the life that you gave him? How do you view Christ's finished work? 
and is it functioning in the life that you gave him? See, in Galatians 2.20, it says this, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So, so this life that I gave him is not mine. It's his because he paid for it. And so I can't live a life entitled to what I think I deserve or feel or want. I have to live a life laid down before him because I gave him my life. And, and it's not something that, that I could just pick up. Like that, That's part of the wandering is it's the uh, life hits and things happen. And so then I go back and I pick up bits and pieces and try to make myself feel like I'm at peace or at rest in a situation that I'm in because I'm trying to find comfort. But the funny thing is the name of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So instead of finding a million things to find comforted, why can't we just rest in the presence of God and rest in the finished work and be settled in our soul for the freedom that God gave us so that we're not entangled by the things of this world. The Bible says, Romans, it says, do not be entangled by the things of this world, but be transformed by the new renewing of your mind. So that renewing of our mind is our mind and our internal person, our heart, the, the deep that calls in the deep inside of us, being at rest in the finished work of Christ, what he paid for on the cross for you and I to have, is to live in this place of, of yes, I see the situation, and normal people react this way. Bills come, situation comes, <clears throat> uh, frustration comes, you know, whatever it may be comes to your to your front door, to your front step, to the, the, the face-to-face with you, whatever the confrontation is, whatever the obstacle is, they come to you, but what, how do you respond to it? Do you respond to it as if I'm trying to fight this person, or I'm trying to go after this situation, I'm trying to tear this thing down, this is in my way, this is frustrating to me, or is your response to it, huh, Lord, I don't know what to do, I need you to step in on this, and, and by, by saying that, you're not just like going back to sleep or taking a nap. You're actually resting in the Lord and you're waiting for his leadership and his leading to take care of something. You're not just not doing, you're not just not doing something about it, but you're actually uh, leaning not on your own understanding of on all your ways. You're trusting in God. And so what you're doing is you're, you're reeling back your response to, to trust in God, to trust in his hand, to trust in his ways. That he provides a situ- he provides a way through and out of every circumstance and every situation. In Hebrews chapter three, verses twelve through fourteen, it says this. So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. For see, like for a while, for for, for probably I don't know, two years or so, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, but this is continuously God I was always doing this, is he's actually like He's having me question my motives. Like, what is my motive behind wanting to do this or wanting to do that? Whatever it is, you know. What is my motive behind wanting to go and 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 talk to someone in church about maybe having an opportunity to to speak? What is my motive uh, to speak like in front of people, like share, like preach or, or share the word? What is my motive behind um, healing, laying hands on this person to be healed? Is it to be seen? Is it to be noticed? Is it to to draw attention to myself, or is it truly because Christ paid for healing on the cross? So, I, I and I believe that each person is it's 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 my right as a believer to to pray for the sick and watch them get better because Jesus paid for it, and and it's something that we own as believers in Christ because it's we are one in Christ, and He He paid for it, He paid the cost for it, He owns the healing, so we can just walk into that that place of, of allowing God to be the healer in that moment and, and and join our faith with who God says we are and who God is 
inside of us to reach into that person's life and lay hands on the sick and watch them get well. And so, so it says this, make sure that none of you, uh, none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. So that unbelief and that evil that's in you is something that is, I don't know about that. Well, you know, uh, God, if it's God's will, he'll heal them. Well, nothing in the word says it's not God's will. So I don't understand that, that, that phrase at all. Like nothing in the word says like, you know, if it's God's will, this person will be healed. If it's God's will, this, you know, these things will happen. But the, these things are already written in the word that they will happen because we, he said they will. Like Jesus said, you're going to do the same things I did in greater. And so what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He cleansed the lepers. He did all those things. To, and they said the same things I do, you're going to do as well. And so how do we think that it's not God's will if he said that we are going to do those things? It does, that just doesn't make sense to my brain. And so, you know, I don't want any unbelieving, I don't want any evil things, any like deception lurking in my heart because it says this, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. So the wandering heart is is that. It's the one that's not centered on the truths of heaven it's the one that's not centered on the truth of jesus is the healer it's the one that's not centered on jesus is the prince of peace it's the one that's not centered on christ my cornerstone the one that laid his life down on the cross for me he, he sacrificed himself so that i can have life in him and through him and relationship with the father and so it says this this is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hard hardened by sin's deceitfulness for we are mingled with the Messiah. If we will continue unshaken, if we, if we, if we, we, I'm sorry, if we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. So we will continue in being unshaken and confident in this assurance of what Christ paid for on the cross and not be stubborn and not be hard hearted or not be hardened by our sin and its deceitfulness but be but but see this the thing is it, it's it's it starts in this verse it starts with the 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 evil or unbelief hiding within you so what is it inside of us that evil or unbelief Circum let me let me just kind of take you through a scenario here a circumstance happens let's say you get demoted at work let's say your kid does something very silly and it really is messing things up i, mean, I don't know what the situation is Let's say you get a bad grade on if you're a teenager, you get a bad grade at school or you did something you shouldn't have done it. Your parents are going to find out and you're going to get in trouble, right? All those things. So let's say like this evil is and this unbelief is in you. So what we got to take this all the way back to the root. What is drawing your heart to those things and away from God? And I think that's the this, this situation that many of us find ourselves in, like especially those that are deal with addictions and those that deal with like habitual things that they do. So what is it that's drawing you away from God and to those things? So we could be a, a victim of our circumstance or we can understand that there's something inside my heart that's drawing me away from God. And I'm finding some sense of soothing comfort in that situation that I didn't have before and and it, and it makes me feel good to do these things. 
and it makes me feel like I'm I'm taking care of a situation when I take these certain steps to to make myself feel better. And so you know sometimes it's food. Maybe you lean more on food when you're you're frustrated in life. Maybe you don't eat when you're frustrated in life. Maybe you like to just zone out on your cell phone or zone out on on a TV show for hours and hours and hours. That's something I'm totally guilty of. When I'm wanting to just chill and not do nothing, I will sit there and watch episode after episode of things. And and, and I sometimes I have to check my heart and say, well, that was kind of a big waste of time and, and maybe I shouldn't do that. And so so what is it that, that is that is almost numbing you, numbing us to to God? numbing us to the living God, like making us unresponsive to the living God. What is the unbelief or the evil thing that's hiding within us that's causing us to ignore what God is doing in our lives and not wanting to go through whatever or go through and overcome whatever situation that we're facing? Because it's easy, it's like it's easy to find the quick fix. It's easy to find the the, and it's not really even really a quick fix. It's like a, it's like, you know, barely even fixing anything. It's basically just kind of like numbing the pain for a little bit, and then it, it rears its ugly head again. It's just not dealing with it. And so, I'm not saying dealing with it like you have to like struggle and strive to make something happen. Like really living by faith is just giving Jesus your yes every time He asks you to do something. And when you read the Word and you understand that the Word says certain things, you give your yes to that as well. And so. What is it, the unbelief? What is the thing that's this thing that's drawing our hearts away so that we are unresponsive to God? It's those things that that soothe us and we find comfort in them. And as we find comfort in them, it soothes us so much that we no longer find comfort in the Comforter, Holy Spirit. This is why the secret place or the getting alone with God is so important. Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go in your room, close the door, pray, pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who's in secret will bless you in the open. This is why it's so imperative that we get alone with God and seek Him in the secret place and, and get alone with Him and, and let it, like hear His voice and get to know Him in a deeper capacity than we did before. And not live off of other people's intimacy and other people's uh, revelation, but get the, our own revelation. Like the Lord gave me a, a, a phrase a long time ago called Christian voyeurism. And it literally gave me a vision of, of a person that was in the, the room and they're just full on in the worship mode and they're like in the presence of God and they're just feeling the glory of God into the room and they're just elated with God's presence. And I saw people just standing outside their window, looking into the window, voyeur, you know, committing voyeurism into that person's intimacy with the Lord because they didn't have it themselves. And, and so a lot of church, they find themselves in this place of Christian voyeurism where they're looking at the person on the platform having this encounter with God or this revelation that God showed them because they spent time alone with the Lord and learned the word and learned who God is. And they're experiencing God through somebody else's experience, but they're not actually experiencing the intimacy for themselves. And I think that's that's an epidemic in the church and it's an epidemic in Christianity when we count more on other people's revelation and other people's ideas and thoughts rather than the ones that God wants to share with us individually. Because if he shares it with us individually, then we can actually add something to the body of Christ that's bigger than ourselves, it's deeper than ourselves, and it adds this this amazing uh, uh, thing with with the body of Christ where I'm, I, I can't, if I'm just saying what the next person's saying, what am I adding to the body? 
If I'm saying what the hand's saying, but I'm a foot, what I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't function right. If if I'm saying if I'm if I'm the heart and and my friend's the brain and I'm saying the same thing as the brain, like it it kind of doesn't make sense because we have two different functions. And so so like the the point is this is us as the body like like not allowing our hearts to wander away from who Jesus is and who the presence of God is and what it does in our life and the word of God and not wandering away from the word of God, like not letting our hearts wander from these things, but letting our hearts be devoted in these things. So I want to say this, God is in the mix and he is the main ingredient. Uh, scripture says this, and that scripture says that the, the, we, we are mingled with the Messiah. It says that in, in, um, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter three, verses I want to say that's 13 or 14. It says, for we are mingled with the Messiah if we continue un continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. We we are intermingled with Christ. Like, like we're mixed together with Christ. Like our lives are mixed together. And I used this analogy before that if you take one bottle of water and you take another bottle of water, and you, now you have two, and you pour one in, in, a, in a jar or a pitcher, and then you pour the other one in the jar or the pitcher. Those two bottles of water now become one pitcher of water, and they're intermingled. You can't separate them again. Like You can't put the original water that was in the, the first bottle and the original water that was in the second bottle back the same way it was before it was mixed together. And so when Christ comes into our life, you can't separate who he is in in our lives. You you actually embrace who he is in your life and you understand that you're, he's so mixed in with you that now you start to see him in your life rather than seeing your shortcomings and your failures. You actually look at life a little bit differently now because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to move on you in a powerful way. In a, in, a, in a deeper way. And it says this in, in Hebrews 4.13. It says this, There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains secret. And nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes. To whom we must render an account. Nothing we do remains in, in, a, in secret. Well, let me ask you, who did something in secret, who did something and then tried to hide and thought they were going to get away with it? Well, most of you maybe have thought Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve decided after they were going to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they were going to hide. And after they hid, God still found them. It says he's walking in the, in the cool of the day. God was walking through the garden. He's like, Adam, Adam, where are you? Now, the, the also, Ad, God is asking Adam, where are you? The all-knowing God is asking where Adam was. Think about that. The all-knowing God was asking Adam where he was. And so God knew exactly where Adam was. But what God was saying is, Adam, where did our relationship go? Why are you hiding from me? And you know I can see all things right? You know, I can see into the deepest of who you are. And so that then when I was looking at this, this word in Hebrews uh, chapter 413, it says, there is not, I'm going to read this whole verse again. It says, there is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before the, before his eyes to whom we must render an account. And so I want to go back to the concept of when God speaks and then it was God's word. So it says this, I, 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 read, I read this, it says, what, what 
um, what's spoken by God, what's spoken by God, the creator, is created. So when God speaks, something is created. And the creation can't hide from the creator. The Greek translates into logos in his, in God's view, the word is our responsibility. So we, we choose what is written on our hearts. The question is, is, do we live vulnerable and open before our creator? Or do we act like we can, we can even hide from him? Or that we have the ability to hide from him? Do we act like we have the ability to hide from God? Do we, do we look at our life and just, you know, it's almost like sometimes if I ignore something, it goes away. But the all-knowing God doesn't just go away. It's not who he is, right? He's in the mix. He's in the middle of, of our situation. He's in the mix and he's the main ingredient. Like God is the main ingredient in, your, in, in our lives. So a wandering heart is one that's sitting in this life thing called life and it's doing life and it's trying to get career going. It's trying to get school going. It's trying to be on the sports team. It's trying to raise your kids. It's trying to, to fit in at work. It's trying to, to make your marriage work. It's trying to be a good dad or a good mom. The, the workings of life, the things that we try to do on a daily basis, dealing with, with problems at work or dealing with problems in your neighborhood or dealing with problems uh, wherever you're the guy that cuts you off on the, on the road. Like, what, where's your heart? What's your heart mingled to? What is, what is you connected to? Are you, or is it wandering away from the true nature in which you're created to walk in? And so, so we, there's nothing like, like the scripture says, there's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. So if there's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, why do we decide that we can hide things? Or, or maybe we're not even trying to hide. Maybe we don't realize that God can see all of our thoughts and all of our things. And so that's why it says, take every thought captive to the mind of Christ. That your thoughts are subjected to Christ's mind for you. And if you look at the armor, it's the helmet of salvation because now you think like somebody that's saved. And when you have thoughts, you take that thought captive to the mind of Christ. So my heart is not my heart is not wandering from the truth of the gospel. My heart is actually intermingled in that process of I have this thought, Lord. I'm bringing you into this situation, Lord, because I don't understand it. And my biggest prayer right now is help. My biggest prayer right now is I need you. My biggest prayer right now is, Lord, I don't get it. My biggest prayer right now is, Lord, I don't have all the right words to say. My biggest prayer right now is just Jesus. Help is just in this moment of not letting my heart wander from God, but wander towards him. It's not even a wandering. It's, a, it's an intentional step forward into God's presence on a daily basis, practicing Matthew 6, 6, Every day when you pray, go in your room, close the door or get in your car, close the door, turn on some worship and just, just get in his presence. But just make sure you're watching the road where you're going. Like, like, what is it that causes you to just get close to Jesus and not let go? What is it that grips your heart and says, I have to be to be one with Christ, one with him, one with him in, in, in purpose, one with him in identity, one with him in idea, one with him in thought, one with him in my spirit, one with him in my emotions, one with him in everything that I am, that all the, this, I, this person that, that I am, I am yielded to the presence of God and not wandering away from him, but, but allowing my life to be embedded into him. So in John 6.35, he's talking about who he is. And he's, he's talking about like how, you know, 
the the bread and the water and and he's he's the thing that we hunger for and he's the thing that we thirst for and and so it says as jesus said to them i am the bread of life come every day to me and you will never be hungry believe in me and you will never be thirsty so it's the going to God and going to the presence of Jesus that we will never be hungry for something else. We'll never crave another thing if we're only feeding on Jesus. Like even if those those thoughts come and the temptation comes, you look at it and you go, that is not good food for me. That is not good for me. I don't want that in my life. And then, or I don't want to drink of that. I don't want to take part in that. I want to take part in in Him, the the water of life, the refreshing water uh, of Christ. And I want to I want to thirst and hunger only for Him. Like I want my cravings in my life to crave for him and not wander away from from things you know some some of us you know the new year's is coming up and many of us are are going to have some like fad diet that might we might do for a little while or you know whatever it is and we get on this regimen and we're we're stick to it for about a day and a half maybe two weeks maybe a month if you're doing a really good job and then it slowly you start to wander away from that diet that you you're you're on and you had all these good intentions of of getting on and so what happens it's it's the growing cold of your heart it's the growing cold of that that romance between you and jesus that love that that intimacy between you and the father where you're in this place of worship and your heart's unified to him and you're not allowing other things to, to draw your cravings or draw your attention away from. So, and then when you eat, eat food and you drink food, what does it do? It goes in your body and it, and it, it, the nutrients in that food goes throughout your body and feeds your body. The, the, the thirst, the things you drink, hydrate your body so that you can function on a higher level. So when you feed on Christ, you feed on the bread of life, you feed on the words of the word of God, you, you drink of the, of, the, of the thing that you thirst, the, the refreshing water, the Holy Spirit, you drink on the Holy Spirit, you let the oil of heaven pour down on your life and you, you find yourself in this place of just in awe of remaining in this presence of God's presence and not even like trying to find something else because nothing else meets that need and nothing else covers you in that situation in that circumstance so I want to encourage you that, that that don't let your heart wander away from Jesus don't let your heart wander away from his presence that you find yourself in a, in a place of just constantly leaning into him leaning into his word leaning into your 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 communication with God leaning into God I don't understand God I need help don't try to have it all together but try to just stay in his presence and stay connected together with him live a life of connectedness to Christ and understand that you can be present with him in a room or you can be not present and have a billion things on your mind so what are you going to do what are you going to do today are you going to continue down the road that you've been going on of stress and anxiety and fear and frustration or are you going to lean into the presence of God the prince of peace who is not fear and anxiety who is peace so I want to encourage you lean not on your own understanding but all your ways trust in him and don't let your heart wander but let your heart unite in Jesus name I bless you guys this word thank you so much for joining me here at Christ Center Identity you have a wonderful wonderful evening or a wonderful wonderful day God bless you